welcome to this episode of the This is Believeland Real Browns Fans Podcast. I am your host, James Mastrucci, and I'm joined by Jordan Cohen, and we have some actual football to talk about. So, Jordan, I know you're pretty excited. Yeah, preseason uh, game one, we saw the Browns second stringers stomp the Jaguars first stringers, and pretty much that dynamic continued throughout the rest of the game. The Browns third stringers stomped the Jaguars second stringers, and the fourth stringers stomped the Jaguars third stringers. So, I'm pretty excited. Yes, and I am too. And before we get uh, too far in depth into the weeds of talking about this, a uh, real quick reminder, everyone, remember to subscribe, like, share on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, YouTube, tell all your friends, check it out on thisisbelieving.com, realbrownsfans.com. Just had to get that out of the way right at the beginning. But uh, we have some uh, some quick like newsworthy uh, things to bring up real quick. Uh, this just came over uh, the newswire here. Uh, the Browns have placed Stephen Carlson and Ryan Switzer on injured reserve, and they have waived uh, Cordell, not even going to attempt pronouncing your last name, Montreal Meander, and Keandre Thomas to get their roster down to 85. Nothing really surprising there, but the, the Carlson thing, he had what is expected to be a season-ending injury, and that's not good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, man, Carlson played the second most special team snaps on the Browns last year, and he was really useful in goal line sets. Like, they used him all the time because he's a good blocker. He's an effort guy. He's actually fairly mobile. I, do I think he's replaceable? Absolutely. Do I think they have any clue who they're going to sign to replace him right now? I mean, hopefully by today they do, but I don't think when he got hurt on Saturday they had any idea. He, the guy is not on the roster. It's not Andy Yanovich. Andy Yanovich is his own thing. And it's also not either of the third-string tight ends, Jordan Franks and Connor Davis, because honestly, I didn't know they existed until, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes ago. So <laughs> Yeah, I, Connor Davis played a few snaps and did not look that good, if I recall correctly. But honestly, by that point, I was fading in and out, so I wasn't paying too much attention. I mean, at that point in the game, it was just watch it to make sure no one gets hurt or if there's a dynamic play. You're not sitting there like... I gotta take notes and be very uh, focused on what's going on. It was it was garbage time by the time he was in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fun to watch Tim Tebow, but uh, beyond that, uh, I was kind of fading out. <laughs> Real quick side note: What is Tim Tebow doing on an NFL roster? That was some of the most Dude, pathetic blocking I've ever seen. I could have done he had, like, what Tim one Tebow good did. Play. He had like one good play, and like the Tebow stands on Twitter are like. Oh my God, look at this play. And then like, he also like kept just falling down trying to block guys. I would be so pissed if I was a tight end trying to make a roster, knowing that this guy's getting snaps instead of me. Oh yeah. And you know, there was the one um, play where he tried to block someone, essentially spun off and then hit his own teammate. Uh, That was quite entertaining. But that's not even the, the, the best Tim Tebow uh, low light, because that's what they are. The one where he was actually open on a pass and his teammate stole the ball from him. That was the best yeah, one. Yeah, that was pretty funny, too. <laughs> that was pretty funny, too. Yeah. No, I uh, I got to be honest. I think Urban Meyer is going to do a lot of losing this year. I, I know people are high on them. They said that was an attractive location. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a fantastic NFL quarterback. And I think they have some, like, skill position talent there. Mm-hmm. But that team just sucks. Oh, they're bad. Like, that offensive line sucks that defensive line really sucks and uh i I messaged you this while the game was going on Uh, that offense looked exactly like what he ran up at ohio state i don't know if it's gonna work but man i was getting like 
I, I know all these plays. I've seen these plays before. <laughs> you know, sitting but there. here's the thing. Here's the thing. That works when you have the best talent in the country. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that system's going to work with this Jaguars team. Like, I will say it right now. I think that will fail. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to work, actually. But it was, just, it was just kind of funny to watch being like, I remember yeah. this play. I, I've seen this play a thousand times. <laughs> you know, the, just... the problem for the Jaguars was the Browns clearly remembered that, too. Mm-hmm. It was Joe Woods' best scheming game I've ever seen. So I don't know if that's a, a compliment to Joe Woods or a, a slight at Urban Meyer's offensive attack, maybe a little bit of both. Um yeah, I mean, what I will say about the game and what I was impressed with is Joe Woods is doing a lot more. And this was just preseason, which to me means we're going to expect a lot of it. It was like disguise cover two, like mm-hmm. disguise two high safety. Uh, and he did that a lot when JOK was on the field because it was very difficult to tell if JOK was going to go back into coverage or rush, like mm-hmm. rush the passer. And it actually worked really well. So. JOK may be the thing Woods needed to get creative. Mm-hmm. And I think that really, I, I don't think the Jaguars, I was about to say the Buckeyes, I don't think the Jaguars <laughs> had any way to answer that stuff. Like, they just looked stumped. Newsom also, like, I know Newsom gave up that one big pass play, but that wasn't his fault. Like, he actually did really well in coverage. It was just a great throw and a great catch. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, like, Newsom was everywhere. I, I don't know. I, I, for the first time, thinking, okay, maybe Joe Woods really just is a guy that if he has good talent, he can be good, uh, but he's not necessarily like a talent increaser. That's fair. And again, it's important, to, hope. it's important to note it was the first week of preseason and it was a whole bunch of just nothing crap and the Jaguars yep. stink. So that, that's also something to take into consideration. But uh, the fact that it wasn't, the same old Joe Woods defense we saw week in, week out last year is a little bit of a good sign because, man, that defense last year stunk. And seeing somebody who is as dynamic and versatile as JOK in that defense just actually makes it almost work. But again, preseason, junk football, Jaguars stink. Yeah, I mean, it was funny, and we talked about it today because there was a discussion on Twitter about can the Browns get a lot of pressure uh, rushing four guys and the answer is no uh, for a lot of reasons mm-hmm. uh, one of which is that yes there's Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney but I mean I don't know who they're starting at defensive tackle my guess right now is it looks like it's Malik Jackson and Tommy Togiai but like Andrew Billings looked bad like Andrew Billings if he was not like such a big name I think he was probably the worst player on that second team defense that we saw uh, yeah, it it was not encouraging watching uh, Andrew Billings play. Um, but point being, I guess, too, is that the Browns don't need to rush four guys because they have JOK. And mm-hmm. JOK is just this giant question mark. Like the, D, the offense doesn't know what he will be doing. No, they really don't. And that's it's really a... It's really a good thing to have for the Browns. And, you know, I, I tweeted this out. Might have been yesterday. Might have been... I think it was yesterday. But it was a, it was a video of GOK just absolutely leveling uh, and reading the screenplay properly and destroying whoever caught the ball. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head right now, but I don't remember ever the Browns having a guy like that on the team. No, I, I th- there is. I mean, 
closest is TJ Ward, but he's a safety. JOK is a linebacker. So yeah, I mean, like, the, so JOK started Browns practice ten days ago, and the preseason game he had eight tackles, seven of which were solo tackles, one sack, three and three tackles for loss, and like. I just the amount of the amount of dominance he had in that game. All seven of those solo tackles were defensive stops, mm-hmm. and on that uh, he also had 15 special team snaps. And then there, yeah. So on that sack, he was 4.39 yards away, mm-hmm. and he closed the. Oh, sorry, the tackle, not the sack. Yeah. The the big tackle against. Uh, Colin Johnson. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pulling up the stat from next gen stats. He was 4.39 yards away and he closed that gap in 1.3 seconds to tackle Johnson for no gain. That's it was the top speed in the game at 14.79 miles per hour. He went from 2.09 miles per hour to 14.79 miles per hour in 1.8 seconds. That's the Browns insane. have never had anybody like that. Never. Period. Uh, period. They've never had anything like that. Like, assume it, the only thing that can stop him. It's the same thing that was able to stop Darwin James, which is injuries. Mm-hmm. But, like, he is, to me, it's that same, like, he is very intelligent and one of the best athletes in the league already. Oh, like, yeah. The only thing stopping him is our go- possibility of injuries. Otherwise, uh, Brown's, I think, just gotten all-pro linebacker in the second round. Oh, I absolutely agree. Uh, and, you know... It- just quick side note. Uh, remind me, where was he lining up like all game? Yeah, it's funny. He was lining up at linebacker. He did a lot on the weak side, uh, which they call in the NFL terms the will, like mm-hmm. right the weak side linebacker. Yeah. Uh, not a safety. So he's not a safety. Got it. Okay. No, now, Just... now he did go into coverage quite a bit, but that doesn't make him a safety, right? He was not lining <laughs> up in a single high or double high. He was not lining up in the nickel. Uh, that that was very clear. They had mm-hmm. a nickel on there. Yeah. Uh, it was not JOK. Yeah. JOK was playing as a linebacker. I think there was one or two plays where they did put him as the nickel, but like that's what you can do with him, right? Mm-hmm. He's yeah, not I just, versatile, but he's not a safety. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, make that clear and kind of bang that drum one more time because I'm going to continue to do that forever because he's and a like, linebacker. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And like he's a linebacker and. The reality is that, like, he is the type of linebacker you want in today's NFL, right? He's not a safety, right? The type of safety you want in today's NFL is a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. I, John Johnson's the perfect example, right? Like, you want the safeties that excel today are guys that can basically play safety, cornerback, or a few snaps at linebacker, but I mean only a few. Uh, JOK cannot play cornerback. Right, yeah. he he's not he can't be a guy that guards the third receiver, maybe on a few snaps every game, but that's not what you want, right? He's a linebacker. He's like I, Derwin James is a safety, and I'll acknowledge that. But it's the same kind of type of idea. Like I'm good, Derwin James guarding anybody on the field. Uh, he just has like that versatility that JOK has, but in a different way. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, so... I, I just. Excited. Out of pure curiosity, I'm just doing a quick search about a size of Derwin James and JOK. They're basically the same size. Derwin James is actually an inch taller, 6'2, 216. JOK, 6'1, 216. 
it's, it's completely different from beyond that. Besides being similar in size, JOK is a linebacker. Derwin James is a safety. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I think that it was a... So I guess my view on the whole thing is Ultimately, I think they probably will end up doing similar things on the field. It's just where they're lining up that's different. Mm-hmm. Derwin James, historic, like in college, in his first year, lined up as a safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of kind of like the in a too high, he was the safety closer to the line of scrimmage. So, but but he just seems to have like better lateral quickness to me. Yeah. Uh, and is not necessarily as great of a tackler. Not that he's not um, like Derwin James is one of the five best tacklers in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I, I think JOK, I, you know what it's like? It's like the, Ed, or the, uh, yeah, the Ed Reed versus Troy Palomalu yes. discussion, mm-hmm. right? Like, did they end up doing kind of similar things on the field? Yes, of course they did. It just, it, that was kind of a, they both kind of played like that close safety slash linebacker role. Mm-hmm. Um, and JOK is just more of the linebacker end, but that's fine. Like that's yeah. great. The Browns haven't had a good linebacker in my entire life. So like, I'm pretty excited. Oh, speaking of Browns linebackers, I went, uh, I went to Cleveland yesterday, took a little uh, trip to go get some, you know, nine thirty donuts and beer because why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, saw a guy rocking a Dwayne Rudd Jersey. <laughs> Dwayne, that is a blast from the past. That, that's a blast. Yeah, I uh, the best he and uh, Dequell Jackson, probably the best two linebackers we've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I don't think it'll be too long before JOK takes that uh, takes that throne from those two. No, dude, it could be in like four four weeks. <laughs> it could be like after week two. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was like they were like, yeah, JOK's earned himself some first team snaps. Like it's in again. What I loved about Stefanski, Stefanski was like, yeah, he made some great plays. His eye movement was bad, mm-hmm. right? Like he needs to work on not like on disguising himself and on reading these plays quicker. Which is awesome to me that they're like that worried about these small things because it's a sign that he's just that good, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't need to worry about tackling for him because he has that. It's like small things like eye movement, like how he's reading the play. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is incredible. Yeah. And, and he's starting at linebacker. I, I don't buy any of this like, oh, well, you know, he needs to be running. I'm sorry. He's starting at linebacker week one. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see a you world You need him where... against Kansas City. Y- you really do. And, and yeah, well, he makes some mistakes against Kansas City. Yeah, because it's, it's Kansas City. It's the Chiefs. Let's be real here. It's Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the line. So, yeah, he will probably make a couple rookie mistakes, but again, they're called rookie mistakes, and that's something you kind of live with. But the reason you got a guy like JOK is to, when you face teams like Kansas City that you're going to be equipped properly defensively. And I think— And James, like, here's the thing. I week one, Yeah. I don't care. Like, let him make mistakes week one. I would rather him make mistakes week one than in the playoffs. Yeah. Same. Yeah, let him learn. He's never going to learn if you don't if you have him on the bench or playing certain amount of snaps. Okay, he was a first round talent that for some bizarre reason slipped into round two and the Browns got him. Honestly, it might be the steal of the entire draft. Okay. Yep. Start yeah, in no. week one. Start in week one. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no excuse. 
Yeah. Uh, I, now maybe they'll do one of those things like where they started what was Malcolm Smith like every game last year, but mm-hmm. he played like third string linebacker snaps. Yeah. Like maybe they do the opposite, right? That they, they don't start him, but he plays first team linebacker snaps. Which they do is that. Fine. That's like, fine. I, Just that's give me fine. starter snaps. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what we're getting at here. It's just that this guy is going to get starter snaps week one. He should. Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why you drafted him. It wasn't for him to sit and watch on the bench. It was for him to go make impact plays in the game, which we've seen he can do. Again, preseason, but uh, quite the dynamic linebacker the Browns got in round two. Yeah, I agree. And to be fair, Newsom actually looked really good. So mm-hmm. like, it's not like the round one pick looks like he's going to suck. Like, no. Newsom looked really good. Yeah, and you know... it's exciting. It is exciting, considering, um, you know, the relative underwhelming state of a couple other defensive backs on the roster. Uh, Grant Delpit's been uh, shut down again, essentially. And Grady Williams was meh <laughs> in, uh, yeah. in preseason. So... yeah. Yeah, I. but this is why you have to draft a lot of these guys, right? Like, mm-hmm. defensive back is a position where you can never have too many because of that. Mm-hmm. Just right? like like, just like in the NBA, you can never have enough three-point shooting. In the NFL, exactly. you cannot have enough defensive backs. Well, and it's like a guy like LeCount, or LeCount, however you pronounce his name, right? I mean, he looked amazing against third stringers, so I'm not going to, like, get too excited. Mm-hmm. But the point, the reason why you draft a guy like him is that you're probably not convinced Delpit's ever really going to play major snaps. So you draft this guy in the late rounds because, worst case, it's a late-round pick that doesn't cost you much. Mm-hmm. But this guy also has a really high ceiling with just a really low floor. Yeah. So best case is that he hits that ceiling and you don't even need Delpit. Exactly. But Newsom looked pretty solid. Yeah. I, again, whatever the Browns get out of Greedy and Delpit is... In my opinion, just a bonus, because my expectations for both of them are basically nothing. So, yep. that's where I'm at. That's where I've been on both of them since since last year, you know? Yeah, I mean, A.J. Green also looked really good. Like, it would not surprise me if he is... It, it, I get why they may not want to start Newsom week one. Like, for as good as he looked, that play he gave up, like, again, it was good coverage, but... They may want to say, like, tell him they're going to take him slowly. Um, in that case, I think it's AJ Green, Troy Hill, Denzel Ward, and then Newsom just rotates in. Yeah, which is fine. But again, you can't have enough. Like they picked up AJ Green is a fr- undrafted free agent last year, basically just stuck him on the practice squad and taught him all year, and now he looks good. Yeah, if it looks like it could be a nice little pickup for uh, their secondary. And, you know, if they have to bring Newsom along, like you said, he's a perfect guy to turn to. Yep. So, <clears throat> let's talk about uh, two other uh, guys on the defense. Well, I guess we already touched on Andrew Billings. Andrew Billings, uh, let's call this a tenuous hold on a roster spot for now for him. But uh, Mac Wilson uh, suffered a shoulder strain or sprain. Uh, I think it's sprain. And yeah, it's sprain. Uh, so he's injured, but it's not bad. It's not as bad as it could have been, but where do you see him after, after the game on Saturday? Yeah. I mean, so like to his credit, he was evidently having a great camp. 
Mm-hmm. I think that this is an injury that gives him a few less snaps, which is probably not great for a bubble roster guy. Mm-hmm. I still think there's only so many spots you have on a roster and that Mac Wilson is one of those guys that is a good player, like not a good player, but like for the old Browns would be considered a good player, right? Mm-hmm. That, that just make a cut. Like he will get picked up by some team like the Jaguars, for example. Yeah. Right. Mac Wilson, very likely the Browns cut him. He gets picked up by a team like the Jaguars. It's same thing with Higgins, mm-hmm. right? Like these are guys that were good on old Browns teams. Like we know that. But it was because the surrounding talent was so bad. Yeah. And now they are bubble guys. And, like, fans just need to get used to that. Like, even a guy like Hodge, like, one of Hodge or Higgins are not making that roster. Because Demetric Felton, we'll talk about him in a second, played a lot of snaps in the slot. Mm-hmm. So one of those two receivers aren't making it. And they're both good receivers. Yeah. It just, it, I mean, they're fat. Like, I don't think they're ever going to be anything close to an all-pro or even, like, a starter on a good team. But, like... They're solid receivers, right? Mac Wilson's solid. I don't like him. I don't think you want him on a winning team playing major snaps at all. But these are guys that are bubble guys on the Browns, which is a great position to be in. But for Mac Wilson, missing snaps isn't good. No, it's not. Uh, you know, the fact that it's a short-term injury, he's only supposed to be out for like a couple days or whatever, gives him a better chance of making the roster, but again, I don't put that those chances to begin with that being very high just because of the amount of linebackers currently on the roster and the fact that they're all pretty much better than him. Yeah, like, or they have a skill set that's useful. The, a skill set that, that's useful or they're rookies. Right. So, I, right. I mean... Like, the only guy that, you know, you want to say uh, Mac Wilson's definitely better than that's currently on the roster is probably, like, Elijah Lee. And that's, like, a maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Elijah Lee actually had a few good snaps, I think, right? Wasn't he the guy that had actually... No, no, that was Sheldon Day. Never mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Elijah Lee. Yeah. But, like, Mac Wilson, Elijah Lee, these are guys that are probably getting cut. Or or Mac Wilson's bubble. Right. Yeah. And if Mac Wilson gets cut, it's not going to be for another linebacker. Right. It'll be for another safety. It'd be for another corner. Or now another tight end. <laughs> another tight end. Right. Exactly. Like these are the spots he's competing against. So uh, fans, and, and this is natural, right? Because mm-hmm. we have not had a team this good before ever, like in our lifetimes. Right. Yeah. It's easy to say, like, oh, let's compare him within his position group. But, but that's not what great teams do, or even like good teams do. Right good teams like when you have a good roster mm-hmm. you're comparing him against whatever the alternate is and that alternate could be a linebacker but in the browns case likely it is not mm-hmm. yeah i mean we, we 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 could have this discussion all day about guys that uh have been overrated by the fan base and when they finally go to a good team they their careers fizzle out i mean <coughs> joe schobert oh, <clears throat> sorry what oh well, i was gonna go uh the duke johnson route but yeah joe yeah. schobert works as well yeah, I mean, these are guys, like, I like Joe Schober. I like Duke Johnson, but they had good games for really bad teams. Mm-hmm. And not that the Jaguars were good last year or that the Texans were good, but, like, these guys went to other teams and couldn't get snaps or couldn't get effective snaps mm-hmm. in the case of Schobert. And that's just kind of the reality of the situation, right, that eventually like these guys that are fan favorites because they had a really good game or they have a fun skill set 
just don't make it. Yeah, I, and you know what? One of the uh, not to get too off track here, but one of the more annoying uh, topics of discussion when it comes to Duke Johnson is he never missed a game. Yeah, but he like left every game with an injury. Like that happened. Like he, yeah. every other game, he would leave with an injury and, and wouldn't return. But he didn't miss games, but he would always leave with an injury. Like, I mean, I don't know if you're a Madden player, but if you ever played Madden with Duke Johnson, guess who gets hurt three times a game? It's Duke Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I, I, to be fair, I have not played much Madden recently. But, like, I guess my view is everybody says that about running backs. Like, every, every team, every fan base has a running back that they say, oh, he never leaves games. Here's the thing about running backs. Like, people think about injuries as, like, these small little injuries. That's not what running backs get. Like, running backs get major injuries. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Duke Johnson wasn't playing a ton of snaps. Uh, He was not getting these small injuries. Cool. Uh, If he played major snaps, he would not last a season. No, he wouldn't. (laughs) Simple. (laughs) It's pretty simple about that. That's fine. Yeah, but again, it's just, I think it's tough, and I think it's probably tough. Like, listen, could Errol Hodge make a cut? That is surprising to me. But again, like, I get it. We just... We don't have infinite number of roster spots. I like Kadero Hodge a lot, actually. It's going to be weird seeing him get cut, but it's what good rosters do. It's what happens. And, and speaking of someone who might be getting a roster spot at the expense of Kadero Hodge, Demetri Felton. I know you love you some Demetri Felton, so I'll give you uh, give you the floor to talk about Demetri Felton. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny because I think uh, we used to call it a game of inches, and now we're going to have to go to like a game of meters or something like that because uh, <laughs> metric systems coming to Cleveland. But um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I I think that he looked really good. He played mainly as a slot receiver. Mm-hmm. I think this year Schwartz isn't in any danger because he was also drafted. But I think long term Felton may be that guy they're looking for, right? That gadget receiver. Mm-hmm who you can run the ball with if you have to, but you're also going to bring him in and just have him run like these funky gadget plays, which lets you use motion, which we saw. The Browns ran so much motion with Felton all game long. And we did not run motion last year, right? Because, like, frankly, you don't want Jarvis Landry running the ball, right? We did it a little bit with Odell, but you want to limit that, right? You want that one or two times a game. I like Felton. You could run the ball 10, 15 times a game if you had to, mm-hmm. but you put him in motion, it lets the quarterback diagnose the defense, and then you run the play. I I really like, like, he looked really good. Do I think he's going to be that good against teams that aren't the Jaguars? Probably not, but I think that one game did enough to keep, get him the roster spot for this year. You know he who he kind of reminds me of a little bit? Uh, and, <clears throat> again, uh, not the not the greatest player, but he's made uh, managed to have some sort of career. Is he reminds me a little bit of like what teams tried to do with Tavon Austin? Yeah, yeah. It, you yeah, know, like it. it's very similar. They're both very similar in size. They both have that skill set where they could run the ball. They can also catch the ball and stuff like that. He just that's what he reminds me of. Really, is that Tavon Austin type? And as we saw, even. He was even in uh, Los Angeles, and they used him a little bit too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he so, played actually a decent, big, decently big role on that team. So, looking at you know what he did, and knowing that the uh, the offensive system is not necessarily 
all that different from what both teams are trying to do. Maybe if you want to see what they might do with Felton, look what he did with the Rams when he was there in Los Angeles. Yeah, so Connor Orr actually just published an article today, I think, at Sports Illustrated about the outside zone scheme, like the Shanahan scheme, which Mm -hmm. is similar to what the Browns run. And one of the big things he talked about is how this scheme is actually significantly evolving because what's happening is all these guys that run it, right? So Mm -hmm. so McVay, Shanahan, Stefanski, Arthur Smith. uh, Why am I blanking on the name? Green Bay Packers. LaFleur. LaFleur. Right. All these guys, what they're doing is they're like taking these small little things from each other. Right. So like one was like tight end hand positioning is a way to make blocks safer for offensive linemen. Right. And it's like these small things that over time add up. And I think that's probably what Stefanski's doing. Right. So Stefanski may have said, hey, the Rams did this a lot with Tavon Austin. We can add some of that to our play this year. And like mm-hmm. I fundamentally believe like Shanahan if Stefanski's playing three receivers or more one of those receivers will be kind of the motion gadget guy because otherwise you don't it doesn't do you as much good right that not in this scheme right the scheme you would otherwise prefer to have multiple tight ends or multiple running backs or both Mm. so I think a guy like Felton if again it was a preseason game against what I think may be the worst defense in the NFL. Yeah. Very so, important. So, so keeping that in mind, but mm-hmm. he definitely earned himself a roster spot this year. And I think Stefanski could add some wrinkles with him. And Schwartz will come back and maybe mm-hmm. Schwartz gets wrinkles too. And then, then you really have Stefanski kind of going the Shanahan route and you have two guys that you can run these gadget plays with. Yeah. I mean, people talk about uh, evolving the offense in a way. I think this is the way to evolve it properly. It's not right. It's not the insane overhauls we've seen people try to have them do. It's adding these little wrinkles, adding these little these little variables into it, which provide then uh, a, a larger, I guess, set of plays and options and concepts that you can look based off of that one player doing one specific thing on certain plays. Right. And again, this is stuff that you do five times a game that can change the nature of a game. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we got to do. Yeah. It's just a a handful of times. And just the fact that maybe you, maybe you, uh, you hand it off to him once, or maybe you just have him, Maybe you you fake a handoff to him and do a play action pass off a a jet sweep or something like that, right? right. But just having him there and have him in motion will have little things go off in the defenders' heads that will be like, oh my god, look out for this play, and it happens to not even be anything close to what that play is, resulting in yeah. a resulting in busted coverage, and that's what you're looking for. Or or just beyond anything, because when Felton goes in motion from side to side behind Baker. Mm-hmm. And then Baker can diagnose if the defense is man or zone based on how they move. Mm-hmm. Like, boom, that is hugely helpful for Baker. And I get, like, we did not have the talent last year. I, and I know people are like, oh, you could have done it with Jarvis or Odell. I mean, yeah, but, like, you weren't going to actually, like, use them as kind of that motion threat many times a game more than once or twice each. So teams knew, like, once they saw it once, they, they had less to worry about. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy like Felton 
you could do it an infinite number of times because at the end of the day, I, I like Felton a lot. Felton gets hurt. Nobody cares. Like, it doesn't necessarily change the out the long-term outlook for this team like it would if Jarvis or Adele get hurt. Mm-hmm. And so that really helps Baker. And I think, I mean, the Browns did not run a lot of motion last year, which was something I, again, and I said this, I think, last week, but it was my biggest disappointment of Stefanski was mm-hmm. just, like, the lack of motion. I think that's about to change. Based on that preseason game, I think Felton... I think Schwartz, these are guys Stefanski's going to use in motion a lot. Yeah. I mean, and you look at last, the you know, the receivers last year, you didn't have really someone properly equipped to do it. I mean, yeah, like you said, you could put those guys in motion, but you're essentially wasting uh, their energy at that point. You know, and Jarvis tried... doesn't have the burst. Like, I love Jarvis. He doesn't have the burst to do that, right? So really mm-hmm. the only guy that was a serious threat from there was Odell. And honestly, he's not properly equipped for that role either like he's a great well, it's receiver like, but it's, it's not something that you you do with him why are you putting him in motion versus using him as your ex receiver exactly and i know like the argument like oh well like you can put him in motion then let him run the x route well yeah that's what the browns did but like to a certain degree like odell moving doesn't necessarily the defense is going to guard odell how they're going to or defend odell how they're going to defend odell mm-hmm. no matter what their coverage is Right? So it's not like a coverage buster if Odell moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm I, I'm excited. I know people are like, oh, well, they added speed. Like, Felton and Schwartz are fast. Well, yeah, but it's not adding speed in the way people wanted us to add speed. It's adding speed for what probably amounts to 10 to 15 snaps a game. Mm-hmm. It's not vertical speed. While they do have it, it's more horizontal speed. And I think exactly. that's, that's important to, to note the difference. Sure, you can run those guys on goal routes and streaks, but that's not what it appears they're going to be using these players as. They're going to be using them, using their horizontal quickness, using their ability to create basically holes in the defense, which then will well, and- allow some of your, your your guys, so some of the safety blanket type guys, so someone like you know a Jarvis or a Harrison Bryant or a Hooper to just kind of settle in in there and get a, be there if Baker needs them, if the you know a, a further farther past down the field is not open. You can always just come back down, settle in, and be like, oh, look, there's Jarvis on a nice little hook route for five, six yards. Yeah, exactly. And what people need to remember about this offense, like the outside zone scheme is generally a horizontal offense, Mm -hmm. right? You want to stretch the defense horizontally. Yeah. And that's what people, like, what the Chiefs, so, like, the way an outside zone works, right, is the running back basically has to make one read. Mm-hmm. And the offensive line, the whole thing the offensive line is doing is stretching the opposing defensive line um, wide. However, in an inside zone scheme like the Chiefs run, the running back has to make a few different reads, and then the goal is to go vertical. Mm-hmm. It's not to bounce, right? And I think Stefanski is not going to change the heart of this offense, nor do I want him to. Right, the heart of the offense needs to stay the same. It's just going to evolve in how you execute that heart. It, it's it's just it's a you're right. Everything you just said is absolutely right <laughs> about the, the the styles of offense, what the you know is required of certain players. But I'm excited. I know that much. <laughs> Yeah, no, me too. Me too, uh, me too. Uh, I'm excited about what we're going to see, what we're going to, the different, I guess, little twists and evolution that we're going to see in the offense. It's not going to be 
you know, what certain factions of Twitter want it to be, but it's going to be something that's going to show you a different spin, a different twist on it. And I think that's going to go a long way for the overall uh, production and success of this team. Um, <clears throat> speaking of this team, there's one quick little news note we need to uh, discuss briefly before we head into guys or dudes, and that is uh, David Njoku switched agents. Got rid of Drew Rosenhouse, went back to his former agent. Uh, what does this tell you? Because I know what it tells me. I, I mean, I think what it tells me before the Steven Carlson injury versus after are very different things. Okay. So let's let's uh, go before but, then after. Before, it's I think David Njoku wants a new contract, whether it's in Cleveland or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think he was starting to come to the realization that he was going to play this year in Cleveland largely as a third-string tight end and then go and then have to basically take a one-year low deal, like low salary deal, just to earn another one, right? And, and so I think David Njoku's like, well, shoot, I either need to get a new contract here or get traded. Rosenhaus is only going to go for the big contract deal. That's what Rosenhaus does. And Njoku's like, I'm not going to get that. So he switched agents. And whether that meant a trade or a new Brown seal or whatever, that that's what it was for after though so before i think what could have happened was the browns found a home for david njoku a new agent finds a team that's willing to give the browns a fourth or fifth round pick Mm -hmm. everybody's happy moving on i think now the browns are going to be much more hesitant to do that because at the end of the day now if hooper or bryant get hurt you need somebody to take a huge amount of snaps. Mm-hmm. And Najoku, for as much as you and I criticize him, is more than likely better than some random tight end you're going to get off the street. Yep. So where I, while I think Najoku on the whole is better than Carlson, I think Carlson lets you basically say, okay, we'll trade Najoku, and between Carlson and whatever tight end we pick up off the street, we can make up for whatever he would provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they feel that way now. So I think Najoku's here to stay for the year, unless he throws just a complete temper tantrum. I'm with you 100%. When I when I saw the, the news come across uh, about Njoku getting rid of Rosenhaus, the first thing I thought of, well, he hired him in the first place to essentially do what his superpower is, and that's get Njoku out of Cleveland, okay? Because right. if there's anything that we know and what he about Rosenhaus and what his specialty is, it's that if there's a player who plays for the Browns and he doesn't want to be there anymore, they hire Drew Rosenhaus and they get traded. We've seen it many times. Right. Right. The fact that the one thing that Rosenhaus was hired to do, he failed to accomplish. And he went and got rid of him and went back to his old agent. Tells me one thing, in my opinion, that he doesn't necessarily want to be here. Sorry. Right, I, I mean, agree. I, I mean, let's be real here. Uh, like it or not, they, they signed Austin Hooper in free agency last year because Najoku has been largely a disappointment uh, for being a first round pick. Uh, I'm being nice there. Uh, they went and drafted yeah. Harrison Bryant because they liked what, they had from a skill set and the fact that, you know, he won the uh, the Mackey Award in college. Right. That, I, right. I said it a year ago. I'm going to say it again. They acquired two people to replace him. Okay. They didn't get him to, they didn't get those guys to bolster Njoku. It was, hey, these guys are here. If you want a job, it's time to step up and prove it. Yeah. And I... The, the idea behind David Njoku pick is this is a tight end that is amongst the best athletes we've ever seen, mm-hmm. right, uh, at the position, at least, like, over a 10-year period, 
we're going to take him and hopefully he learns how to block and run routes and everything else. And the reality is just over time, like he has not, whether it's because of injuries or because of the Freddie kitchen year and then come kitchens year and then coming to the Stavansky team with already limited snaps because of Hooper and Bryant, mm-hmm. it, he just has not developed uh, or, or just because of him. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't know. And I don't claim to know, but the reality is he has not developed enough to really earn that second big contract that I think the Browns hoped they would be able to give him when they drafted him. So I think you're right, right? Joku wants to leave or at least to get a new contract. Yeah. yeah. And I think he will get neither. And I, th- But what I do think may happen is I think right now the agent is probably trying to find a team that will give the Browns a good enough pick that means the Browns are willing to take the risk of Hooper or Bryant getting hurt. Uh, so largely, I think that would probably have to be a third round pick, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think they'll get for Njoku. But Hell still, no. <laughs> even but but right now, they got off for a third round pick or like two fourth round picks, something like that. Yeah, I'd probably let him go. But I, I just I don't think that's what his value is around the NFL. It, it's not because let's be real here. If a team actually wanted David Njoku, they would have offered the Browns something, literally anything, and the Browns probably would have took it. Okay. Right. I mean, and let me be fair here. Has David Njoku improved as a player throughout his career? Yes, but that improvement has been very marginal, and he started off at rock bottom. Okay? Just because he, he's gotten better from being absolutely terrible to still really bad, he's still really bad. It doesn't make him good. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think he's really bad. Like, I, I think he's just like a rotational tight end, right? Like, he's a super athlete. I, I, um, I mean, yes, I, I, athletically, he's good. Athletically. Yeah. But when it comes but, like, to actually playing the position, I just still think he's bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think for this offense, I don't necessarily think he's necessary. Uh, for a team like the Patriots, like, do I think Josh McDaniels could get snaps out of David Njoku that were really good? I do. Because that offense is different, right? It's a mm-hmm. much more traditional offense. So when you throw a tight end in there, it's to create a mismatch. And I think David Njoku does create mismatches. Uh, this offense, it's less about having the tight end create mismatches and more about having the tight end destroy who's ever trying to rush the passer mm-hmm. or the running back. Yeah. Um, and then after they do that, attacking the middle of the field. And Njoku just doesn't do that, right? That's not his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the irony with all of that said is I think David Njoku right now is more value to the Browns than he does to most other teams in the NFL. Yeah, he is. Which is why he's not getting traded. Exactly. Listen, if Stephen Carlson didn't get hurt and have a season-ending injury, I think the, the possibility that Njoku's gone is, is incredibly likely. Yeah. But unless they find uh, someone who gets, like, surprise cut for one reason or another to step in that's better than Carlson, I, I think Njoku's here for the season. Right. Unless, well, every, unless, he th- unless you know, everything goes off the rails between him and his relationship with the coach in front office or the actual season. I I think he's here for the entire year. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that it, listen, it is a human. And like, this is what I want to make clear. Like when I criticize like a player, it's nothing to do with them as a human, right? Like as a human, I actually feel bad for the guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think hiring Drew Rosenhaus was a big mistake. And I think it led him to overplay his hand. Mm Mm-hmm. Which means he's going to need to probably take a series of one-year deals just to stick it out in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think he basically told the Browns, hey, the, two years ago, right, when Freddie Kitchens is there, if he says, hey, 
you know what? I'm not playing for you guys. My agents found five teams that are willing to give you a third round pick for me. I'd really like to get traded. I think he probably gets traded. I think the Drew Rosenhaus deal, Rosenhaus comes in and he's like, okay, I'm going to make my job isn't to get you traded. It's to get you a huge contract. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if that means getting you traded, that's what I'll do. But I think Rosenhaus is an idiot, right? So Rosenhaus knows there's no team in the NFL that was prepared to give that to Njoku. So Rosenhaus's play is let's try to mend relationships in Cleveland and see what he can do with the Stefanski regime. Mm -hmm. And it just, like, it sucks for him, right? Like, he overplayed his hand. I think he knows it. I think everybody knows it. Uh, I think that's why the Browns franchise tagged him. I think Rosenhaus came, or not franchise tagged, uh, extended him. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. was Rosenhaus's play. Rosenhaus was like, listen, like, I, I specialize in getting guys big deals. I am not going to, like, let you guys give him nothing, right? So if you extend him, I'll do my best to get him out of here. And I think Rosenhaus, like, wouldn't be as big of a name as he is if he wasn't honest about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he probably did really try. I just think the reality was that wasn't happening. And it sucks for Najoku. Like, it really does. Like, it really sucks for Najoku. But it's just, it, it's... Reality, and listen, Njoku is going to get snaps this year. And, like, this is a big thing in every sport. you got to make the most out of those snaps. If Mm -hmm. Njoku looks like a stud in those snaps, even if it's not a ton, he'll be able to get a big contract, or at least a longer-term contract next Mm -hmm. year. Maybe not a big contract, but from somebody. Um, But that he's just going to have to be perfect in the snaps he plays. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about it before, but real quick, I mean, he only caught 19 passes for 213 yards and two touchdowns last year, okay? He played 39% of offensive snaps. He was not an integral part of their game plan. Oh, oh also, no, by like, the way, 0% special teams, so he's not, not even a, a value there. Yeah, well, that's probably going to change this year. Um, I, I, I imagine, well, maybe not, but I think, like, the best – route for Njoku is taking the so I don't think he's a good blocker right we've talked about this he's still a pretty bad blocker but he substantially improved this past year um because he was one of the worst blocking tight ends in the NFL and now he's like mediocre right like pretty bad still Mm -hmm. um if he can take that to being like an above average blocker this year I don't think it means much for the Browns because the Browns already have two good blockers at tight end but it does mean that some other team will see value in him. And I think for Najoku, I think if I'm the agent, that's what I'm telling him. I'm like, listen, man, don't worry about catching the ball. You got to become an above average blocker. And that's Najoku's route to getting kind of a longer term contract next year from some team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's it. That's all he can do. That to me is like the best route. And listen, I think that's probably what he's going to try to do, and I think that benefits the Browns this year, especially without Carlson, but it's why I don't think he's getting traded. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there 100%. Um, you know what time it is. It's time for Geyser Dudes. Let's do it. Uh, linebacker edition. And okay. uh, I know we normally don't uh, discuss rookies in this segment, but I'm cheating. I'm changing the rules. JOK, he's a dude. Okay. Dude, okay, <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> He's a dude. Um, let's go uh, back to the guys listed as starters. Uh, Mac Wilson. Guy. Uh, yeah, no no real uh, argument here. He's a guy. Um, guy. He's a guy who 
maybe uh, finding employment with another team sooner or later, possibly sooner. Uh, Anthony Walker. He's a guy. Like, I, I like him, but he's a guy. Yeah. Like, there's a reason why he and BJ Goodson were basically flipped for each other, mm-hmm. right? Like, like BJ Goodson, I liked a lot. He was a guy. Anthony Walker, yeah. I liked a lot. He's also a guy. Yep. Uh, I also feel that Sione Takitaki also falls into the guy category. Yeah, and, like, I think one thing we've talked about offline about the linebackers is the difference between last year and this year is this year, it's still a lot of guys, but it's a lot of specialists. Mm-hmm. And then JOK. Yes. And I would rather have that. Like, I like having a guy like Taki Taki on rundowns that I can just throw out there. Mm-hmm. Right? I like having a guy like Anthony Walker that I know is not going to be awful in coverage. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so Jacob Phillips, same idea. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I like that. But they're guys. They're just, yeah. they're, they're better specialists. Yeah. So, uh, Elijah Lee, guy. Yep. Malcolm Smith, guy. Yep. Jacob it, Phillips, guy. Yeah. So, it, it's pretty much, you know, Tony Fields, rookie. Uh, Montreal Meander, not on the roster anymore. JOK, dude. Right. So, it's basically JOK's a dude and everyone else's guys. Which... And that's what, you, like, at the end of the day, that's what the Panthers did for a lot of years. And I know they had really good line, but, like, it was... A lot of like specialists that were very good surrounding mm-hmm. Luke Keekley. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a similar structure to what's going on here on this defense. Yep. I think that's the end goal. I don't think they're there yet, but I think that's the end goal. That's the three, four, five years down the line goal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you, you look at what they have here, they look at the, the supporting cast. They have a lot of, like you said, specialists. Like Malcolm Smith, better on passing downs than he has run downs. Right. The complete opposite for Taki Taki. Right. And like for me, the cool thing about a guy like Taki Taki is you you keep him here until his contract runs out. Mm -hmm. Some team's going to sign him because he is good at run defense. Mm -hmm. And then you will get a compensatory pick, probably a fifth or sixth round compensatory pick. Yeah. I know that's like not a lot, but like given that you drafted this guy in the the end of the second round and then he played what will amount to probably three good seasons for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you let him go and get a fifth round pick or sixth round pick for him. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's great. Like, yeah. I'm ecstatic about that. It's the one th- reason why I think they may try to keep Mac Wilson on the roster. Right. Cause like you really have to deal with Mac Wilson one more year after this. And if you can make him look like halfway decent, some team is going to sign him. Yeah, and even if point. it's a seventh round pick, you get for him. Like that's a seventh round the pick. Question is, can they make him look decent? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the difficult part. It, it really is. Um, is there anything else you would like to uh, discuss from the uh, the preseason game? Uh, perhaps uh, quarterback play? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's kind of like the last thing. So, like, Kyle Aletta had a phenomenal game. Like, the numbers he was throwing out there were insane. And it's led to a debate on, again, on Brown's Twitter, but I've actually seen there was, like, an article somebody wrote about it. Uh, I think it was for Brown's Maven, actually, but, like, what do you do with Case Keenum, right? Because Case Keenum, I think, is the highest or one of the highest paid backups in the NFL. I guess Nick Foles is probably higher, but... Whatever they got going on in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, And I hear the argument that if you could therefore trade Case Keenum, you could probably get something like a little bit for him and you clean up cap room. Understood. Here's the thing. Case Keenum means a lot more to the Browns than he does to any other NFL team. And every other NFL team is going to see that contract. They're going to sit, laugh and say, no way in hell are we trading for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Valletta, the Browns could probably get something for him. Again, maybe a sixth round pick or seventh round pick. 
and you do it because Kyle Laletta is probably more valuable to a lot of other teams than he is to the Browns. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, is Kyle Laletta a starter? No. Have we fallen victim to, like, the third-string quarterback as a starter? Yeah. Uh, That was before Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum. And again, like, I know we have been critical of Baker. Baker is a good enough quarterback where you don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Right? That is a waste of, like, you take advantage of that resource. You be the old, right? You be the team trading with the old Browns. Mm -hmm. Right? You be the team that gets a sixth or seventh-round pick from a, basically a group of suckers. Yeah. That's that's what you do. I mean, uh, again, most of this conversation is driven by um, his, uh, his salary and clearing up cap room. Uh, what magical, monstrous addition are you going to be making uh, with the room created by getting rid of Case Keenum that's going to suddenly uh, just improve the team from some other aspect I'm not seeing? Because you know what? There isn't one. I mean, like, here's the thing. If Case Keenum was on a five-year deal, I would very much understand that argument. Mm-hmm. He's not, he has two more years left, this year and next year. Like, it, it, let's not pretend this is a giant cap issue. Because it's not. It's not. <laughs> Short-term or long-term. Yeah. Like, listen, if it's if the, for whatever reason they really need cap space next year, right? So, like, let's say, for example, Baker Mayfield comes out and has a Josh Allen season, Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Baker's getting paid probably $42 million over five years. Then you probably need to free up some cap room. And then I can see Case Keenum getting moved. Yeah. Uh, right now, you have enough room to keep him on the roster. And it's only two more years. And, like, the odds that you're going to be in that situation next year is very low. And it's so low that there's no reason you sacrifice anything this year for it. To me. Yeah, there's there's no reason to. I mean, I, I'm looking at uh, cap space in the top 51 on the roster right now, according to Spotrack. Uh, 18.2 million cap space is all negative 11 million, but that's going to get cleaned up by the time that that includes 90 players. So that doesn't include the people that were cut today. Right. So by the time they get down to 53, they're going to be on the the right side of uh, that number. But his presence is, you know, Case Keenum being on the roster is not going to, or not being on the roster is not going to have that much of a overall impact when that final number is. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, and again, most of the conversation is just driven from a money standpoint. Uh, like, I just, I don't understand. It's, it's, there's not like some just guy out there just waiting for teams to clean up cap room so he can go sign with a team. That's not what's going on here. Like, right. uh, and again, like. If the Browns had Baker Mayfield on a five-year, $43 million deal, mm-hmm. that's very different, right? Because you are yeah. paying Baker that money, so you don't need to pay for a backup. Yeah. We're just not there right now. No, we're not. And and one more thing, I guess, is just like, this isn't like, a, and this is a baseball reference, but it's not like a couple years ago when Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell waited till mid-season to sign, okay? Right. Where they're right. just sitting out there waiting for a team to sign them. Because that happened. They right. they waited until midseason until the MLB draft was over. And they no longer had compensatory uh, picks attached to them. They could sign and a team didn't have to give up a draft pick. Or draft compensation. Right. So it's not like that situation. They're not trying. It's not like some guy that's a, a difference maker just sitting on the free agent market. Being like, when's someone going to sign me? Because there isn't. Right. And like. Here's the other thing. The Browns want to compete. I think if 
if you ask the Browns, did they think they had an outside shot of winning the Super Bowl this year, they would say yes. And I think that's fair, right? Outside shot, not high. I'm not saying do I think the Browns think they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl. But do I think the Browns think they probably have a 5% chance of winning it this year? Yeah, I do, and I think they should. If Baker Mayfield gets hurt, that 5% goes down to probably one5 2% with Case Keenum. It goes down to zero with Kyle Loretta. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's another thing, right? Like, I would rather still have a shot. Yeah, I, I think Case Keenum gives you a shot. Kyle Loretta He at not. least guarantees you the shot. I mean, and... You know, we got to go back to the reason why they got Case Keenum in the first place is because his familiarity with the offense. Okay? Right. Case Keenum had his best year under Kevin Stefanski. Granted, it was only a year, but that happened. Yeah. He's familiar with the offense. He's familiar with the terms. He's been here for over a year now, so he's familiar with his teammates. That also matters. Kyle Lett has been here, like, what, part of an offseason? Yeah. And again, like, I don't... I... The Browns are in a position now where some quarterback-hungry team will offer them a sixth or seventh-round pick if Kyle Lilletta repeats that performance again in one of the next three preseason games. And when that happens, because I think it will, that's when the Browns need to take advantage of it. Uh, Case Keenum, they're not going to get—I'm sorry, they won't get it for because as much as like I think the contract discussions don't matter, it matters insofar as he is worth more to the Browns than he is to probably any other NFL team. Yeah, I think I think that's what it what it comes down to is his importance to this team specifically. I don't think there's a team out there being like, you know what, we, we're going all in. We need to go get a quarterback. Let's go get Case Keenum. Right. That's, and that's if a team a is going to do that and says, "Hey, here's a fourth round pick," okay, fine. Like that, then I'm listening. Yeah, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't either. So do you have any uh, final thoughts you'd like to add? No, I'm just excited for uh, next week's game, which I guess we'll probably preview on Thursday. But um, yes. I think that the Browns are in a good spot. And if you like us and enjoy listening to us talk Browns, just uh, rate, review, uh, especially review, like whatever, like James said it at the outset, but like that all helps us with our mm-hmm. ratings. So uh, yeah, uh, otherwise this was fun. Yep. Remember, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Uh, It's also available on SoundCloud as well. So that will do it for this episode here. Uh, We'll be back later in the week to preview next week's, uh, the next preseason game. And of course, if there are any other roster moves or updates to provide, we will provide them at that given time. 